Well, the the honeydew list, honeydew list are now a lot closer to than ever. Just interesting. I was in the, hun- the honey what the honeydew list. That's the list your wife gives you and says, "Honey, you need to do this." Yeah, I'm, I'm a millennial and I'm not yeah, married, no so I have no is. idea what that yeah. is. So. <laughs> but when I was in Lowe's the other day, I was talking with a guy, and actually, uh, Lowe's was packed. Our Lowe's has stayed packed through this entire thing. Every day, there's the parking lot's full. Everybody's going in and out with mulch and flowers and fencing and plumbing parts and everybody's working on their homes and paints and all that. I got all this time now. Well, but I'm thinking in my mind, I got to thinking, did a woman start this? Did a woman create a, a virus, <laughs> a worldwide virus so men can come home and fix things? Because it really looks that way to it's me. It's all a conspiracy. Yes. Hello and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome to a special weekend episode of Rescuing Churches. And I am your host and friendly neighborhood communications director, Josh Gibbons. And I'm joined, as always, by 614 Executive Director, my dad, Stan Gibbons. Dad, thanks for being here again. Very welcome. Mask-free. <laughs> we are practicing social distancing. Yes, mask-free. And we we are social distance here in our makeshift studio, which is also the conference room at the church. That's so, right. Because we're very, very fancy. Uh, we are here to talk all things church revitalization, COVID-19, and the role of pastors, as we all still kind of find ourselves in these uncharted waters. And we've already done one episode on this topic where we specifically addressed the pandemic. And right we talked at the top end of it, yeah. Yep, and we talked about five lessons that church leaders should be teaching in the middle of all this. And if you missed that, we would encourage you to go back into our archives and check it out. But that brings us to where we are right now, which unfortunately doesn't really look a whole lot better as the president and his advisors are kind of keeping this shelter in place deal um, going on. There's a lot of rules and regulations with that. As you all are probably aware at this point, we're not really sure what's going to happen. And he's limiting groups to no more than 10 people practicing social distancing. Like we mentioned a second ago, remain six feet apart at a lot of grocery stores, Walmart, Target, Costco have all put these little square signs down and put, we tape, saw some tape of, on the floor. We yeah. saw some of those when we were out making grocery runs, all the, all the floors taped off. Yep. Just the other day. I was at Academy and they, they limited the number of people in the store. It's yeah. so weird. It's just bizarre. Very and it's different times as of Thursday afternoon, the coronavirus cases topped 1 million around the world according to researchers at John Hopkins University. And out of those cases, there's been over 51,000 deaths. And three out of four Americans are currently under orders to stay at home in an effort to prevent the spread of the virus. The U.S. had the third highest number of deaths in the world, with just over 5,000. Italy has almost 14,000, and Spain has just over 10,000. 
According to reports, China, which is ironically where the virus originated, has had the fifth highest number of cases and deaths. But if you guys have been watching the news, then you probably saw the reports that U.S. intelligence officials have reason to believe China has been underreporting their numbers. So we're not really sure what the deal is with that. Always always exciting to hear that news. Always exciting when that happens. So with all that being said, that sort of catches us up on the latest developments. Aside from all the political stuff that's going on, and we're not even going to shred into that. And locally today, (laughs) this is today that we're broadcasting this is uh, Friday, uh, April the 3rd. Am I correct on that? Yeah. And uh, we we are... uh, our town here in Mobile has been put on under a nighttime um, curfew. Curfew. Yep. That's yep. Right. There is so. a curfew in place. Our mayor has yeah. uh, put a curfew in place from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Yeah. And uh, on today's episode, we just wanted to take a few minutes to kind of address how pastors should be responding to and dealing with the ongoing COVID-19 situation, given the fact that so many congregants are choosing to stay home. And Dad, I know that you've been reflecting on this as a pastor yourself, and you've been talking with a lot of the other pastors in our network who we um, deal with. What do you think pastors should be doing with some of the extra time that they have on their hands (laughs) right now? I I know that, uh, you know, you you just you always have so much time on your hands. You're, <laughs> right, you're just right. you're just. We, but, we have, but I have been able have figured it with out with all of this taking place to to see the need to prioritize my schedule differently. And your personal schedule is different now. You can't make I oh, can't yeah. make hospital visits. We we had a had a good close friend who had a baby, and I I wasn't I went down to visit him like an idiot. I thought I could just walk right in. And, How dare you? And say I was a pastor and that that would be okay, but it wasn't nope. okay. You're not going up to that floor. You're not going in the hospital. No, and so so our our personal schedules have a little more time in them, mm. and uh, and we're we're home a little more now. So I would say uh, one of the things we need to do is prioritize our time. Um, I would encourage pastors, and I'm trying to do this myself. Um, that passage you've been dying to dig into and study, that book you've been wanting to exegete for yourself so you can have it later in your arsenal of teaching, uh, now's a great time to to dig in and, and do the grammar work and do the history work and the context work. Do the inductive study on it and get, get yourself ready and write yourself a good study guide and make good notes. Um, so some guys I know have always wanted to write a little book, a, a book on for their church about discipling, a book about something they love. If they're, if they're good at praying, mm-hmm. uh, they want to write a book about prayer for their church, maybe just a booklet. Right. Um, sure. Now's a great time to quarantine yourself into oh, yeah. that room yeah. and say, you know, I, I really can't go anywhere. Yep. Um, so Stuck I, at home so, anyway. So I have a little more time on my hands. So oh, yeah. I would encourage them to do that. And just personally, I think pastors should be prioritizing their values. Um, and, and looking at what your crazy schedule used to be. Mm-hmm. And, and now that's the government's causing us to pull it back. The virus is causing us to have to pull back. Maybe the Lord wants us to reevaluate ourselves. Yeah, that's good. That's solid. I think that's going to be true for a, a lot of pastors not, and not just pastors or just a lot of people. Everybody. That, yeah, yeah, everybody. And, and, um, and a lot of people that work in, in ministry at, at a lot of levels, you know, um, right. lay leaders and volunteers. And, right elders and all of that. So that's really good, good advice. How can people kind of reprioritize their church's values during this time? How can pastors reprioritize the values of their church? And, and, you know, you've, you've jotted down a few things here on that. What do you mean by that? What does it actually look like in a practical sense for a pastor to reevaluate the priorities of his, his well, church? I, I think you have to, first of all, you have to come to the grips that church isn't actually 
the building. Uh, right. Because most of us aren't in the building anymore. A lot of that has changed. Yeah. yeah. A lot of that and, has changed. Uh, I think it was T.D. Jakes recently quoted was quoted as saying, uh, now everybody's a small group. Every church is small. There's Every no big ch- church anymore. Every church is small uh, now. Because <laughs> we can only meet in groups of 10. Yep. So, um, and we're all we're all televangelists because we're all doing it online now. We're trying to figure this Facebook Live thing out, which our church was had already done that, which is great. But Zoom meetings and all that, everybody's getting caught up on the technology of broadcasting your yep. meetings into into living rooms. Oh yeah. Um, so so I think those are those are issues. But I also think the church has to, as ministry team, you have to sit down and evaluate what were we doing right before this virus that was priority for it. For example, we've been trying to reach this neighborhood near us and we've got this park thing. Mm-hmm. We can't do that right now. Yep. So in my heart and head, and we've got a staff meeting tomorrow, uh, a Zoom staff meeting tomorrow, right? Um, where we're going to talk about some of this. Um, but in my head, I still think that neighborhood's extremely important to, to oh, the huge, Lord, to Northside, yeah. to this ministry, huge. to me personally as a pastor, to Shepherd. And we're just trying to get our foot in the door. So how in the world am I going to do that now that everybody's closed up in their home? Right. Well, you know, I got to figure something out on that. Yeah, we have yeah, to figure and, that out. And you even had me on that note um, make a, a little graphic to slide into our Facebook Live deal um, specifically for the people in that neighborhood that might be watching our Facebook Correct. Live. And Correct. I think it's that was a phenomenal idea because anybody that's in there, if they need to reach out to us for anything, they need to know that we're still here, even though right. our people might not be here. Yeah, it's complicated because we're yep. trying to reach them, but we can't reach them. Right. <laughs> we can't actually go knock on their door, walk in their neighborhood, or what we've been doing is meet in the park yep. and get to know them through the park. Right. And that's n- no longer deal. So I think churches have to look at the values and the priorities that they've set out. Everybody had, I'm sure, a big Easter thing, you know, hoopla planned. Mm. Well, that's all got to change. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know a couple oh, of big yeah. churches here in town, the bigger churches here in town were planning on doing their Easter service in their parking lots. The the codes that were given out today through the mayor of Mobile say you can't do that. We can't do that. Yep. Um, so we had kind of caught up with that as a church, little church. We're saying, hey, well, we can use our parking lot. Mm-hmm. So maybe for Easter, at least we could see each other through the cars. Yep. And then today we learned, no, we're not going to yeah. be able to do that can't possibly. Do so that yeah. I mean, that can change, you know, over a week's time, but maybe not. Which means we've got to reevaluate what is the priority of, of the fellowship and what is the priority of the of the large group meeting. Exactly. What are the purposes of those meetings and what are you trying to do? I think you have to reevaluate all your plans. Yeah, I agree. And, and, I agree. and your youth group has to do the same thing. Your children's group has to do the same thing. What are we yeah. trying to do and how can we still do the work of the church, which is reach the lost and yep. disciple those who, who we reach into being disciplers? How can we continue to do that with a different format now sure oh yeah with with a diff, with a lot of different tools like you saw like some of the ones you mentioned exactly. a minute ago um it's it's very different so I, kind of going along with that let me ask you what are some and this is something that you and i both deal with um you in the pastoral sense me in the communications and technology sense what are some of the new and innovative ways that you're recommending churches are able to fellowship during this time and how can pastors sort of implement those methods <laughs> right well I, I don't think they're i think they're maybe we're using the word new because it's because of the virus right but i think it's the old way i think we're sure. supposed to call each other on the phone now <laughs> and talk to each other i the think phone? during the week yes <laughs> during the week we're supposed to get out what we call a smartphone which is really a little computer but i think we're supposed to call each other and talk to each other yep uh, not just to go, hey, are you going to be there Sunday? But go, hey, 
Tell me how you're doing. Yep. What's going on? How's your family? Mm-hmm. You know, your aunt was sick last time we talked. What's going on with her? Mm-hmm. Um, praying for whoever. And I think the church family together has got to figure out new ways to fellowship um, over phone lines. Uh, you know, obviously Facebook Live can do some of that. Sure. I, you know, people started calling me through my Facebook Messenger, which I didn't even know was a thing till I started getting calls like that. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and that's a video call. But oh, yeah. I think the video element of that's great. I do. I, oh yeah, you know, it's cool technology that that when I'm talking to somebody now in their home that I haven't seen in three weeks, sure, I can actually be looking at them if they'll turn their video on, right? And I can see how they're doing. You yeah. know, I can physically see their eyes and their emotions and that kind of thing. So I think we should we should extend ourselves to that to do the very, very best thing we best way we can we could reach into those homes. And I think I think that's one of the things a staff ought to be sitting down figuring out right now. How are we continuing our fellowship while practicing social distancing? Yeah. And, I agree. and some of the church families may not be uh, uh, in in danger, they may not be caring for an elderly person in their home. They may not have any any reason to be a you know extremely quarantined, right? Right. And since you can have groups of ten, some of the church, some of the families could say, "Hey, we're going to have you know mm-hmm. the Smiths are going to have the Jones over, and we're just going to have dinner yeah. together, hang out, and have a little Bible yeah. study, yeah. and just yeah. just uh, just a fellowship. Yeah, yeah. that'd be yeah. great. Um, yeah. so, so some of that can happen." doesn't break your local codes or anybody in there is not upset by it. Sure. You know, and just do practice all the right things and with the hand sanitizer and, you know, oh, yeah. wash your fans <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Abide by the guidelines. elbow yep. bump and yep. all that kind of stuff. Yep. And if somebody's yep. sick, stay home. But yeah. but you, I think we've got to keep our churches focused on fellowship. Fellowship, absolutely. Um, because that's where the church stays healthy. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And and some of that technology, again, just helps so much with that. And, and You know, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, some some churches for years have resisted this concept of small groups. Um, we don't want to have evening small groups and all that kind of stuff. And now it's the only way we can do it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Jesus <laughs> yep. intentionally started churches with small groups. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, he started a small group himself called the Disciples. Yeah. And, uh, and small groups, which is offensive to some of the you know, some some seniors they don't like it. They right. they they would never call Sunday school small groups all the same thing. It's um, the same thing. Yeah. The the <laughs> truth is now it's all we can do. Yep. And it's what we're supposed to do. Even some of the first churches were what we would consider small groups. Yeah. And it actually is probably going to reshape a bunch of churches. I think this virus moment in in history is going to reshape churches. Absolutely. I think we're going to see some things out of the other side of this. Smaller churches are going to have to deal with the. The backlash of it and the financial hit that it's going to—it's causing a it's huge financial hit for all small churches. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have a mortgage or any kind of big debt, uh, or if they have a staff that they've been paying, that's going to go hard, um, and it is going hard for numbers that I've talked to. So, right, definitely, a lot of them haven't figured that out. Definitely. How do you think churches can? And again, technology will play into this a little bit can still continue to evangelize and reach the lost during these difficult times where we are a little bit more limited. I mean, you know, here at Northside on Sundays right now, we're just streaming via Facebook Live. So our services, like you said earlier, you know, have kind of just been you and the elders in the building. Right. And our staff meeting tomorrow, again, we're going to talk about some of this. So, so I don't have the answers. I'm hoping as a group, we'll get some group answers, but I do think even now that you're now that live stream is the thing you're doing, mm-hmm. that live stream has to have a way for somebody that's watching it. And and we're we have more people live stream, and our silent partner knows this better than anybody in the room because he helps do all that. But we have more people on live stream than we have in our building normally. Oh yeah, uh, and we've 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 bumped some numbers way up in that. So oh, yeah. so in the process, 
I'm now reaching more people, mm-hmm. even though they're not sitting in my building. But the question is, how do I connect with them and yeah. minister to and how, them? How do we get them? Connected and are those to people God and... wants me to connect and minister to? Uh, in my, or if some of them are in my community, I for sure believe that should be true. Sure, I, that should be the part I should I should do. If they're far from our community and some other community, I've got to figure out how to connect them to some other healthy church. Absolutely. And uh, I still want them to be fed here if they can, mm-hmm. uh, but we record it so they don't have to watch me live, yeah. but they yeah. should be connected to another church. So so I'm thinking we're going to have to run tickers or something Oh yeah. or, or at the end of... Um, and we do run some of those tickers. We run some lower thirds right. and, and that it's just like that LeBaron Woods graphic that you mentioned, um, that I, I, you know, put in there for everyone in anybody in our surrounding neighborhood. If you need, if right. you're in need of help, that's very personal for them. So yeah. that's, that's a great idea. But, but I think, I think some of our tickers are going to have to say, here's how we want you to connect with us. Please yep. email the pastor, yep. email this staff person, email our church, whatever your email is, or here's a phone number you can call. If you're watching this, and it's ministering to you. We'd like to connect with you. We don't want you to just watch it. Yep. Because church is about the connection. The connection. Yep. And so we, we're going to have to figure some new ways out to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, to hold hold people accountable to connect. I think the same thing with the youth group. The youth pastors got to stay connected. Mm-hmm. You know, the millennials feel 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 connected through computers anyway. Right. So right. Whatever that means. This, it's this not, is all kind of normal for them. Yeah. So <laughs> not probably the best way to do it. By the way. Yeah. So. Uh, you mentioned a minute ago that, and I and I think you're right. You know, it kind of in the way, when all this is over, when when everything is said and done, we're kind of in the clear. A lot of smaller churches and and some churches just in general are going to take a financial hit. Online giving is going to be really critical for a lot of churches during this time and after. And here at Northside, where you pastor, we've got a mobile app. We have a giving portal there. We have a giving portal on our website. You can always, you know, access those. What are your thoughts on helping navigate people towards those? Yeah, I think that I think the church has to. I, I think we should be training our people to do that, right? And actually encouraging even people who still prefer check writing, mm-hmm. the old fashioned deal and snail mail, yeah, uh, which is fine. You know, if that's what if that's what you are convinced you should be doing. Yeah, the, 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 the mail carriers are wearing gloves right now, so right, they're, they're right, still running around. Right. <laughs> but but it's if that's the way you feel like you really should do it, that's fine. But it's easier on everybody. I know it's easier for our accounting department here at the church. Oh, yeah. When it's given through the online app at our church, it goes into a system that already puts it into our accounting books the right way. Um, some something to do with all the reporting we have to do with the IRS and everything else, and and all of that kind of flows a lot smoother. It doesn't have to be hand done and all that. So, so really important for us. And so I think, you know, I'm going to deputize a couple of people at our church to just go around and encourage people by phone, call them and talk to them, check on them and stuff. That's but a great enc- idea. Encourage them. Yeah. Um, how to use the giving app and to start using the giving app. Uh, or the give or the online platform that you put on our webpage, mm-hmm. um, but to do it in to, to do it electronically, or you can set it up with your bank. You can have your bank, oh yeah, send a check to us monthly or whatever, and yep. you can schedule it and automatic tell them the draft. same amount every time, yep. and do an automatic draft. And nobody gets a cut of that except the church. The yep. bank doesn't take anything. Yeah, exactly. That. So, so that all alleviates uh, having to rem- having to have offering plates and all the stuff that we typically would do anyway mm-hmm. um, because there's nobody here to pass them out to. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. 
hopefully people will take access um, of that at, at, mm-hmm. at, all, at all the churches um, that have implemented that. Right. And a lot of churches are having to reshape their services and they're kind of having to implement new strategies right now due to the virus in an effort to reach a broader audience. And that's even true of small churches. How can they effectively do this in their services? Like what should pastors be doing with their sermon content right now during this time? What should they be doing um, underneath the virus to effectively reach people? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things that are important. Um, I think the obviously we're sitting right on top of Easter. So sure. your service needs it's to right be centered around, around, you know, the most important thing that ever happened on the history of the world is, you know, the resurrection of death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So we need to pr- teach that strong, even in the midst of this coronavirus. My message Sunday is very tied to that. Um, I taught it today at both the chapels I did uh, at the rehab centers and because you needed the practice, right? That's you right. Just, you that's, why, to, that's why I do it. You just had to get a little practice. I love, I love getting it. And man, it, it was awesome. <laughs> was it a hit? It was okay. a hit. Yeah, I was going to say, because if it wasn't a hit, you don't need to practice. You don't Big need to hit. preach it on Sunday. Big hit today. Big hit. <laughs> but but here's, nobody went to sleep. So here's the big thing. Easter week is a great example. Holy week is a great example of what we're going through. Oh, absolutely. Ho- Holy week starts out great. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. We're actually worshiping this guy coming in on a little donkey. Yep. And we're saying he is the Messiah. Hosanna, Hosanna. Bless these Palm branches on. everywhere. Ooh, palm branches. <laughs> and we're having a little Jewish parade because, man, the Messiah has arrived and we have accepted him as our guy. And, man, the Romans are in trouble. This is awesome. And by the end of the week, mm. um, the Jews have captured him in the garden, uh, turned him over to Pontius Pilate, who's declared him innocent and still allowed him to be executed. And he's dead. Mm. So everything went wrong. Everything that was going great, economy or whatever you want to look at in our culture, everything's going great. We're getting better, better, better. Yep. And then this little virus comes along and now everything's going wrong. Yep. And uh, so this week is a great example of how to, I think, I think pastors should think through how Easter and the truths of scripture relate to that. And parallels. Yeah. And yeah, bring, bring that along. And of course it, it's going to mm-hmm. end great because, you know, when it's all said and done, mm-hmm. you know, the resurrection of Christ, but what did it do? It changed everything. Yeah. It actually implemented the church age and a time, a time where uh, God's going to work through the, the local body of Christ is going to become the implement of evangelism. It's not going to be prophets and pre, you know, all those guys. It's going to be the body of Christ now. And every person is going to have the priesthood of believer on him. Mm. So mm. tremendous changes. And I think we're fixing to go through a big change on the other side of this virus. As churches, we're going to have to rethink a lot of that. We're going to have to rethink our purposes. Um, I think that, you know, when I'm preaching on Sunday now, I just realize it, it's not my 45 common sh- people I'm shepherding. There's there's 200 people listening now that normally don't listen. Sure. So I have to think of a little different terminologies, a little different, broader spectrum. Sure. That's really good, really solid stuff. And uh, we hope that if, if any of you that are listening have any, you know, tech needs or anything like that with live streaming, you know, I just want to throw that out there for any of you that might might be listening. If if you've got questions on that kind of stuff, I had a, a couple of pastors who are in our network shoot me mm-hmm. text messages and emails this week, kind of freaking out, just going, yeah. you know, Josh, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Where's the button for this? If you guys have any questions like that, please don't hesitate to shoot an email to us at 614rebuild at gmail.com. 
I will be happy, more than happy to answer those questions. Yeah, and if you can't do it, our silent partner Michael can yep. help us. We yep. have we have resources that we can at least oh yeah point you in a better direction. Yep. I would like to mention one other thing that that I've been doing personally as a pastor um, that I had no idea the impact it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing daily short videos from mostly from my back porch, yep. um, but daily short videos to my church family so they'd see me every day. If they want to watch me on Facebook every day, they can see me give a quick Bible verse and truth and comfort and encouragement. And, uh, and it's been amazing to me the impact that's had on our church family. Yeah, it, ha- it really has. And not just on our <clears throat> church family here in Mobile, but even beyond. We've had so many of the Georgia pastors, um, people out of Mississippi and Birmingham, I mean, just all over leaving comments on those. But I think every pastor should do it for his church. I'm doing right. it for Northside. I love the fact that I got all this other yep. traffic on it, but it's really for my church family to see me every day telling them, here's the hope, here's the help, here's the truth. Exactly. exactly. Um, and hang in there and be a witness. And I personally recommend um, in the Facebook world, if you're a pastor and you're doing those on your personal profile, let let whoever's running your church Facebook page, if you have one, share two or three of them every now and then intermediate because it'll open it up to a broader audience um, and, and your church people will love seeing it on your church page as well. So Very good. it's really good for that to be Very back good. and forth. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We really appreciate any thoughts or feedback that you might have about the show. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 614Rebuild, or you can always call us, leave us a voicemail at 601-909-0614. That's 601-909-0614. We do do listen to all of our voicemails, and we might even include yours in an upcoming episode. And we want you to know that it's safe to listen to this podcast because nobody coughed during the entire thing, so you're safe to put your earbuds in and listen. (laughs) That's right.